Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll get some insights from Dr. Jason Lyle, astrophysicist and director of physical sciences with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Lyle. Something that is very useful in apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith, is the study of logic. Logic is the study of the principles of correct and incorrect reasoning. And it's very useful when you're debating issues like creation versus evolution or, or the resurrection of Christ. It's, it's very useful to know something about how to think and how to think properly, how to reason, how to construct rational arguments. And it's particularly important in areas of creation versus evolution because I've found that, with all due respect, evolutionists tend to commit logical fallacies left and right. And please don't misunderstand, that's not a slam on their intelligence, and frankly, some creationists do it too. But my point is, it will be very helpful for the Christian to know something about logic and be able to spot logical fallacies when they're conversing with people who have challenged Christianity. Logic is the study of the principles of correct reasoning and, by contrast, incorrect reasoning. We want to know how to not reason as well so that we don't fall into those sort of traps. This is not only useful in apologetic situations, it's useful in the rest of your life as well. You might see a television commercial that makes some sort of claim and you'll find yourself spotting these logical fallacies that are designed to uh, persuade people of something that really isn't true. You see, a logical fallacy is an error in reasoning, a mistake in logic, and these are very helpful to know so that you can know how to spot them when other people commit them and gently lead people back to the truth. As Christians, we should be logical. First of all, logic is the correct way of thinking. It is to be rational, to think rightly, and of course, if we're going to think truthfully, we need to think logically, therefore. If you want to be right about things, you must be logical. More importantly, we actually have a moral obligation to be logical. That's something most people don't think about. But you see, God is logical. In fact, I would argue that God is the source of logic. He determines what correct reasoning is because God is the source of all truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And so it's important that we learn to think in a way that is consistent with God's nature. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 7 through 9, God explains that the problem with unbelievers is that they're not thinking like he thinks, and they're not acting like he acts. The unbeliever's thoughts are not God's thoughts. His ways are not God's ways. God's ways are above our ways, his thoughts above our thoughts. And so if we're going to think rightly, we need to learn to think in obedience to the nature and character of God which means we need to learn how to make an argument. An argument is a group of propositions where the truth of one is claimed to follow from the other. So basically, when you make an argument, you're trying to persuade somebody of something using logic. Of course, people have misconceptions about arguments. People think that well, an argument is sort of a yelling match or a heated debate. No, it doesn't have to be that way. In logic, an argument is simply making a case for something. And the Bible tells us we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to argue. 
In 1 Peter 3.15, it tells us that we're to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us a reason of the hope that's in us. We're to be ready to give an apologia, which is an apologetic, a, a rational defense. That's where we get the word apologetics, actually. So we need to learn to argue, but we must learn to argue properly without invoking logical fallacies. But it's helpful for us to spot these fallacies when other people commit them. Now, there are a few different kinds of fallacies that are committed. There are fallacies of ambiguity, where something is unclear in the argument. There are fallacies of presumption, where the person has assumed something that really is is questionable. And then there are fallacies of relevance, where the conclusion of an argument is not really related to the premises, but it sounds kind of like it is. And so in each of these basic three categories, there are several specific fallacies that we can cover. For example, in the category of ambiguity, we have fallacies like equivocation, amphiboly, accent, division, composition, reification. Of course, that may sound like a lot, but really there aren't that many logical fallacies. And just taking a week to study these things uh, will really boost a person's ability to defend the Christian faith well. In the category of fallacies of ambiguity, one of the most common is the fallacy of equivocation. You've probably heard critics of the Bible use this fallacy, especially evolutionists. The the equivocation fallacy is the fallacy of shifting the meaning of a word within an argument. Words often have more than one meaning, but in a given context, a word always means a specific thing. An equivocation fallacy is where you switch the meaning of the word in the middle of an argument, so it's sometimes called a bait and switch for that reason. Uh, For example, if I said practice makes perfect, doctors practice medicine, therefore doctors are perfect. That would be an example of an equivocation fallacy because I've changed the meaning of the word practice, which can mean doing something over and over, or it can refer to the medical practice. Two different things, really. Or you might say, doctors know a lot about medicine, and Dr. Lyle is a doctor, therefore Dr. Lyle knows a lot about medicine. But you see, that is an equivocation fallacy on the word doctor which can refer to a medical doctor, or it can refer to somebody who has a PhD, a scientist. And just because you're one kind of doctor doesn't mean you know what the other kind knows. Evolutionists often commit the fallacy of equivocation on the word evolution. The word evolution can just refer to change in a generic sense, which everybody agrees with, or it can refer to the Darwinian idea that all animals have evolved from a common ancestor over billions of years. And so what evolutionists will do is they'll try to prove one type of evolution and try to argue that that proves the other type. For example, they'll say, I know that Darwin was right about evolution because we see bacteria evolving resistance to penicillin. But bacteria evolving resistance is bacteria changing into bacteria, which is not evolution in the Darwinian sense. That's an equivocation fallacy. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers 
to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Lyle. We've been discussing logical fallacies, which are errors in reasoning. And we've seen that knowing a little bit about these fallacies and being able to spot them is very useful in being able to defend creation versus evolution. We've been talking about the equivocation fallacy, the switching of the meaning of a word in the middle of an argument. For example, uh, somebody might say, well, you believe in science, don't you? Well, evolution is science, so you should believe in evolution. But you see, that equivocates on the word science, which can mean a particular model, like I guess you could call evolution a model, or it can refer to the tools of science. Now, I do believe in the tools of science, but that doesn't mean I have to believe every model that is proposed. Those are two different things. Or some people might say evolution is a theory, sure, but so is gravity, and you believe in that, don't you? Well, they're equivocating on the word theory, which, according to layman, just sort of means something unproven. But in a scientific sense, a theory is something that has a lot of support. And so I would say that in a scientific sense, evolution is actually not a theory because it's not well supported by evidence. By the way, I think as creationists, we should not say evolution is a theory. Uh, We might mean it's unproven, and that's what we should say. But we don't want people to think of theory in a scientific sense because evolution is not, in a scientific sense, a theory. We have the fallacy of reification. Reification is when you attribute concrete and often personal characteristics to an abstraction. Maybe you've heard the phrase, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature, as if Mother Nature had a mind and could be fooled. Of course, nature's not a person at all, let alone a mother. Now, that's, there's nothing wrong with reification in poetry, nothing wrong at all. But when it's used as part of a logical argument, it's a fallacy because you're giving something properties that it can't literally possess. And so, for example, if an evolutionist said, well, this evidence says evolution is true. But wait a minute, evidence doesn't say anything at all, does it? It's not like rocks speak and, and, and talk about their formation. Not at all. You might be talking about some organism and its, its incredible design properties. How do you account for that as an evolutionist? The evolutionist might respond, well, evolution figured out a way around these problems. But you see, they're reifying the word evolution. Evolution doesn't have a mind as if it could figure out things. It's supposed to refer to random chance processes and natural selection. It's not something that can think. Or uh, life will find a way. The, The famous line from the Jurassic Park movie, the first one, well, organism might find a way because an organism perhaps can think if it's an animal at least. But the idea of a life in general finding a way is an example of a reification fallacy. Maybe you've heard people say the evidence speaks for itself. Well, really it doesn't. Evidence doesn't say anything. That's a reification fallacy. Or how about this one? People say, well, science says and whatever, whatever they want you to believe, right? You've probably heard people say that. Creationists say this, but science says something else. Well, science doesn't say anything at all. Science is a set of tools that we use to discover certain kinds of truths, but it can't say anything. It can't have an opinion on anything because science does not have a mind. Now, scientists say things, and evolutionists might correct their error by saying, scientists say, but why don't they do that? Well, of course, once you say scientists, you realize that's a person and a person can be mistaken about things. And frankly, there are scientists on the other side of the issue because there are scientists who believe in creation. So it's very persuasive to say science says, 
And it might convince people, but it is a fallacy. It's something that we need to watch out for. We also have the question-begging epithet. This is where people use biased language to support a conclusion that is logically unproved. You might have heard people say, uh, evolution versus creationism. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, it really should be evolution versus creation. But by attaching the ism onto the end of it, the evolutionist has tried to subtly persuade you that that's just a belief, because that's what an ism is, right? It's just a belief. It's sort of like they're contrasting the fact of evolution with the belief of creation. But they haven't proved that. They haven't made a rational argument. They've simply used emotional language. So studying these fallacies is very helpful in apologetics. You're going to find that evolutionists really make these mistakes in reasoning, and you're going to want to gently correct them on these issues. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.